curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. We're here at PPAI's Regional Association Council Leadership Development Workshop in Grapevine, Texas, where I'm joined live and in person by my good friend and industry collaborator, David Schultz. Dave has over 17 years experience in the promotional products industry and is currently the Vice President of Supplier Partnerships for Industry Business Services Provider, CommonSQ. Formerly the Vice President of Operations for Distributor Central, David is a PPAI Fellow and recipient of PPAI's Industry Collaborator Award. He's also the incoming President of the Promotional Products Association Midwest and serves as a member of PPAI's Professional Development Committee. David hails from Kansas City, where he also serves as a chair for the Big Slick Celebrity Weekend, a charity event that's raised more than $8 million for the Children's Mercy Pediatric Cancer Center in Kansas City. What's up, Dave? How you doing? Man, it's so good to to see you. Look at you, fresh fresh from a trip to uh, witness the Iron Man in Hawaii. Yeah. You don't yeah. even know what time zone you're on. You don't even know where you're at, basically. <laughs> no, I don't. I, think I crossed five time zones over the last 12 hours. So. But I'm here. And I'm you brought, to go. And you brought more swag from somebody who didn't run a race than anything I've ever seen in my entire life. We're kind of hanging around around this stuff. And it's I impressive. Did. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I always uh, am fascinated by NPR when they do such a great job of talking about things that they have in front of them. So we'll explain what we're looking at swag. For not doing the race. <laughs> so I can't leave and go on vacation and get away from our industry. I was out there to to watch some friends compete in the Ironman World Championship and celebrate a birthday. And for not racing in the race, I came home with four hats, an incredible medal, some t-shirts. So just you think about what the actual participants of the race got to wear. I will say that uh, Ironman as a brand is probably one of the uh, 
the better swag generators in, in the on the planet from what I've seen. It's pretty incredible to see half the people on the island wearing their brand on their bodies. The the, uh, the common skew of the uh, triathlon community, if you will, right? right. There you go. <laughs> Known for the swag as much as they are for the event itself. Yeah. So, Dave, you you've had a a, a, a tenured history in our industry. And most of that's been devoted to technology. So for for the sake of today's conversation, I thought it would be, you know, obviously everyone's expecting me to get you to dish the dirt on why you made your change from one one (laughs) place in the company to another. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, everybody's always like, oh, he got somebody who just made a job change. I wonder what we'll find out. But while certainly we're going to touch on that, I thought it was more important for us, you know, I, I assume and I hope that the listenership out there is, uh, witnessing what's going on from a, a technology perspective within the industry. And I really want to focus today's discussion on your expertise in that space and perhaps even give some folks that are uh, not quite as big as some of the behemoths out there in the industry a, a little bit of insight around how being able to compete in, in the marketplace today from a technology perspective is still capable. Is that you cool with that as being the... Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. All right. All right, let's get into it. So... It doesn't take long to uh, peruse one's uh, spam-filled inbox of advertisements that we get from everyone in the industry. But uh, the thing that you notice in, in that litany of information that's being thrown at us in a day-in and day-out basis are uh, counselors, promogram, and PPPs, breaking news, where it's announcement after announcement after announcement of this company merged with that company – this venture capital company just made a capital investment in yep. XYZ. I mean, it's 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 it it's dizzying how fast the pace of this has picked up. It's it's extraordinary to me. It is, yeah. For sure. And so I want to make sure that, like, when we when we look at that, you know, um, on the surface, it appears to be a little bit of an arms race as far as. Uh, this consolidation, and it really isn't. It's not limited to one side of the aisle or other. I mean, it's it's going on on both sides. So, so um, I, I want to bring up this notion of you know our, our marketplace being comprised of you know just almost exclusively small business owners in a lot of ways, with the exception of the everybody else who is not a small business owner. They're sort of the the big boys that are big, and then there's everybody else. And if it were me, you know, when I'm watching this consolidation go on and, and I do kind of feel like it's an arms race, you know, I'm just wondering your perspective when it comes to what you're seeing from a consolidation perspective and in your mind, what it means from a technology perspective, both from the supplier and the distributor. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 obvious that it's going on heavily on both sides. I mean, you've seen some major acquisitions on the distributor side in recent months. We've seen some major acquisitions on the supplier side in recent months. And so, you know, it always, I think, takes everybody a little bit by surprise when it happens. But then everybody gets back into the routine of their normal way of doing business, and it kind of it fades away until the next one. Um, I think, Aside from the technology piece, I think, you know, there's the good and bad of it. You know, there's the, the bad if you obviously would don't want to wind up in a situation where there's two suppliers left on the planet, <laughs> you know, right. and every distributor in the country works for the same national distributor group would be a not a great situation. But, um, and, and I don't think we'll see that. I think there will be suppliers that continue to thrive in their niche markets. Um, you know, a, a lot of the distributors I know personally use smaller suppliers for specific products just because they do support them very well. 
uh, with technology, with customer service, with uh, post-sales support, everything. Um, and so I think we're going to continue to see those companies thrive and some of them will get acquired at some point, some won't. Um, but the power of the consolidation, obviously, it, it helps in terms of both the technology and the, the, the pricing and everything else. Um, you know, coming from the technology background, I have a, a, a window into the backside of what goes on from a technology standpoint on the supplier side. And, you know, knowing those guys and what they go through when they acquire a new company, I, I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of, uh, sympathy. Them, <laughs> empathy. Know, empathy. Almost, right? <laughs> yeah. So knowing the IT directors of some of these large suppliers that have to bring on board a new supplier and integrate their, uh, you know, their ERP, their order management platforms and everything into their own is a major, major challenge. And so that is probably what some of the IT teams at the suppliers spend the bulk of their time on. It's not necessarily the front-facing stuff initially to make the process easier for the distributor, right? But simply to have a system where they can type in an order number, whether it's um, you know, and not not to name any names of ones that are doing it bad or good, but you know, I'm thinking of somebody like uh, you know, when PCNA now has to look at an order. And know whether it's coming from Trimark or Leeds right. or wherever it might be coming the from. The litany of different places, yeah, right? To be able to instantly see the status of that order, that's a big, big challenge. You know, I, I've written code like that and I know what it takes to integrate two different systems. The good news is, as you do this and you start to consolidate some of these systems and use a language and a naming convention and data fields that all start to match each other, it does become more. Uh, efficient in the long run yeah you know and, and obviously the the promo standards movement is is aiming to solve this you know it's it's been around now for a few years and it, we do have standards in place for how product data should be formatted uh, order status shipment notifications and as those things become more commonplace um, you'll start to see those efficiency gains and a smoothing of the customer experience too because it will cross you know both end user distributor and supplier all at one time it's it's almost like we're racing towards a cliff that has a bridge that's about to fall apart and you don't want to be yeah. the last person to cross that bridge before the, the thing falls in, into the abyss right and to me like uh technology and really what we're talking about at its core is database management right i mean really what it comes down to and um da databases are a lot like people's homes like you know in the united states <laughs> everybody has water most everybody has heat most, you know, right. Like the, the infrastructural requirements in order to have a place to live are the same, but the way that people go about achieving those results are so drastically different right. that when you think about like, okay, like I'm going to bring my house over to yours <laughs> and we used to have steam heat with a boiler and yeah, <laughs> right. Sure. And you guys have forced air with a, with a furnace and like, you know, just, just system like uh, organizing systems and the yeah. information that people have, right? And and you know we hear it time and time and time again on on the tech side is you know data data is the key, right? And yet yeah. I know you know from probably better than any of us could express in the eighteen years of looking at databases from yeah. industry suppliers to know just how pervasively different those are from place to place and, and trying to organize around the standard and all the challenges that come with that. Yeah, it is. And I, I will say that the technology infrastructure, the, the actual creation and administration of the database 
that's in our industry, that's kind of the easy part. I think the hard part is wrapping our minds around the complexity of the products in this industry. And how do you, you know, if you could have two pens that look exactly the same, but one supplier, you know, manages a skew per combination and the other one manages one skew that has, you know, separate attributes to it. And so trying to figure out how to simplify that so they can talk back and forth, you know, the whole, it goes back to the whole argument is, is goldenrod yellow or is it goldenrod? I don't know. So, you know, and certainly in, from the promo standards perspective, and there are, you know, certainly other standards out there, so to speak, but this is one, you know, I can talk about in terms of in general, how it's available to anybody and can be used to do this. It is attempted to put into place a set of standards that can be used by anybody. Right. And, you know, you talk about the bigger companies and the consolidations, the bigger companies have teams that are very tech savvy and know how to do this and have done this very well. And so one of the ways that has become more of a challenge for those smaller suppliers to compete is, is getting on board with these types of things. Yeah. You know, we're seeing national distributors out there require that their suppliers adopt these standards basically mandating that if you want to be part of our preferred vendor database, you have to adopt these standards. And so both of the companies I've been with now uh, will get calls from suppliers very frantic, like, how do we do this? We don't know how to do this. We don't have the capacity to provide inventory in a standardized way. And so there are people out there that are helping these smaller suppliers do that. And that is certainly, if you're talking about consolidation, one of the things that they gain when they do that is, is having a team that can do that for them. Yeah, we're a small supplier, obviously, um, in the industry, and that it's a real challenge. It really is. And so n- knowing that's just the nature of uh, commerce, right? So someone recognizes a need, identifies a need, somebody else comes into the marketplace and tries to solve that need, which gives at least the potentiality for suppliers who don't have their own in-house staff, the ability to be able to do it. It's just that can, can I a stomach the cost and B, do I trust that person's ability to get the job done well enough that even if I can't afford it, that I can be assured that when it's all said and done, that it's going to turn out the way that I'm hoping for. And we're in the middle of a massive ERP right now implementation with, NetSuite and it's taken way longer than we thought and it cost a whole lot more than we expected. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, I I doubt though that if you were to ask any of us on the team in retrospect now, as we're at the end of this triathlon of uh, software implementation, (laughs) that we, we made the right choice. We know that we did, but the agony and the you know, effort and, and time requirement necessary to make it happen was, was significant, but you know, we felt like it was necessary for us to be able to be successful. Yeah. All right. So, so let's, let's, uh, um, you're tired of all my acronyms. You want to move on, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's what I wanted to like. We, so we're all together. The, you know, there's a bunch of us that kind of, uh, have a tendency to like to chew the fat together, you being one of them. And, uh, I'm reminded of our good friend, Bill Petrie, who's stuck in a meeting right now, who can't participate with us in this particular discussion. But, you know, his whole thing is removing friction from the transaction. Mm-hmm. Constantly, you know, is writing and talking about the need for our industry to be able to remove tr- uh, friction from the transaction. And I would agree. So from from my perspective, Dave, what I wanted to ask you is, like, what would have to be some of the key breakthroughs that would need to happen in our e-commerce space for our user experience to feel more Amazon-like? What's going to have to go down? 
it's I, well for sure that standardization of data needs to take place because it, you you can't have a customer log on to your website or whatever it might be whether you're you know using a platform to generate a proposal and you go into um, you know add a, a a pen or a hat or a mug or whatever it might be to that proposal and not be able to see the variations of that product, not be able to see the different pricing associated with that product. So anything that makes that process smoother and easier and more collaborative between the distributor and supplier is going to be a win for everybody. No I doubt. Think. Um, uh, and, and, and you're starting to see that now. Uh, you're starting to see platforms out there where a distributor can log on and say, you know, I've got an idea for this project. I need help. And the suppliers are able to kind of pitch in and give ideas and they can instantly create a proposal. They can ultimately convert that proposal into a sales order. They can submit that sales order electronically to the supplier. And that's where you're really starting to see some of those efficiency gains that I think, you know, anyone small or large can, uh, can achieve by, by leveraging some of that technology out there. I can only imagine the nirvana of the day when I can see real-time inventory down to the SKU level, <laughs> down to the color level, to be able to know whether or not I should even be quoting that item for a customer's project who's six weeks out, yeah. right? So, um, boy, oh, boy. And, you know, like a lot of times I hear people like want to give up the complaint like, well, Amazon is unique. And I'm like, well, but how? Because it's it's every seller of every item all amalgamated together in one marketplace. That sounds a lot like another industry that I know. So I don't understand yeah. why people want to tell us that we don't look the same. Yeah. <laughs> what we just haven't done is is streamlined our process in order to make it more efficient for everybody. So I, I anticipate yeah. there's going to have to be some kind of inflection point where it's going to have to happen or else you know, we're talking about probably, well, uh, uh, let me put it this way. I'll, I'll say what I say in a question that I want to ask you instead of just <laughs> making a comment, right? Yeah. So so if we were just sitting down having a discussion with some other attendees here at the event, and we were talking to a distributor who's under a million dollars, successful, doing well, but feels thresholded. She feels like she doesn't have the ability because of the technology limitations that are in place for her to be able to continue to grow her business the way that she would like to happen. And she made it very clear to us in, in our brief discussion uh, prior to coming up here to talk about technology that she feels very much like she's being left behind in that space. So for someone like that person that we just described who doesn't feel like they have the resources to be able to play that technology game, how are those people going to be able to still survive? Well, it's a combination of things. Yes, they need the technology platform, but I think, you're, those one-person distributor shops too are going to be more aligned with a consultative selling approach than a technology or e-commerce-based approach. There are some out there that successfully play in both of those games, and certainly you can do that, knowing that the e-commerce side requires a significant investment on the technology backbone. If you want to play in the web space, the e-commerce space, you're going to spend a lot of time and money on things like Google AdWords, uh, paid advertising, pay-for-clicks, all that kind of stuff. PCI compliance. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right? It like, takes a ton of time and money. But, you know, and and frankly, I think one of the uh, – and I'm not saying this because I now currently work with these fine gentlemen, <laughs> but I think one of the best series I've heard recently on this subject were, is the one that Bobby and Mark do uh, about – they kind of said, you know, we don't think of e-commerce and e-commerce as electronic commerce – 
we think of it as engagement commerce. Yes. So somebody like her who is selling under a million dollars and can't really grow because they don't have the, the technology infrastructure to directly integrate with suppliers and do some of these things or do the e-commerce piece of it is going to need to leverage the technology to make her more efficient, to allow her to grow in a consultative selling manner that she's doing today. Yeah. And the particular one we were talking to, yes, she now has a website. Yes, she refers clients to that website. They are able to go see products. She can send them an email that links to a catalog that she created for them. So that she has started that process, but it will take it, it will take a continued investment in some of those technologies to help. No doubt, like that grow. No doubt, and and for me, you know, I, I've been long a proponent of the notion of specialization in our space, and to me. Yeah. Um, and any investment you would make in technology would only be reinforced by knowing specifically the audience for which you were trying to build that technology. Because if you're going to make this choice to do something, there's, there's so many different ways, given the uniqueness of our supply chain, the frequency and multitude of different decoration techniques that are available in the industry – personalization opportunities that people are seeking when it comes to the things that we want to sell to them, that if you don't know the space you're trying to sell, you're going to build a really generic tool and you're going to spend a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort. And chances are you're probably going to be disappointed by the return on investment that you get when you build something that generic. Yeah. And it doesn't take long for any of us to go out to, member distributors, or maybe even some instances, member suppliers websites and be able to see that, oh, I know exactly that templated, not specific, very generalized uh, website that is out there. And it doesn't provide you the competitive differentiation that you need in order to justify all that time and expense yeah. that you've put in, even putting up something that probably won't even fit the bill anyway, right? So, yeah. so the notion of consultative selling to me, even in your web presence is like, I can't afford a chat bot on my website. Okay, direct everybody to your Facebook Messenger page and, right. and tell people that that's the way that they can get a hold of you 24-7. And you just have to leave your notifications on overnight so that if somebody happens to message you from Hawaii <laughs> about a project that hasn't been completed yet, that there's a way for you to be able to receive that information, reply to it, and provide somebody that avenue to say like, look... I may not have what seems to be a buttoned up tech suite to complement the way I'm going to service your account, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means right. you have to tell people the way that they need to be able to accomplish the equivalent of a chat bot on a website at 2 a.m. in the morning, right? So yeah, exactly. It's just a matter of, of knowing that that's what you have to do and having a strategy, even if it is low tech. And and to me, when you're talking about specialization, if you have a sort of a low tech strategy and you have a not very uh, competitive uh, buying community, like that's a pretty good combination. You don't have to spend a ton of money. And as long as you give them an avenue by which to do it and they see you as an expert, you're kind of good to go. But you yeah. just have to yeah, yeah. you just have to establish like you're only going to be able to buy. I'm only the stainless steel laser engraved product <laughs> person. And that's all I am. And if you yeah. want something else, don't call me. Right. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, look at these, a couple of these things I brought back from the Ironman race. I mean, that hat over there, how specialized is that hat from the, thank God I'm not racing party. <laughs> I mean, it's got, it's got embroidery in five different locations. Yeah. It's private labeled. It has a bottle opener in the bill. It's like, <laughs> 
you know, yeah. Jim and Bob's homegrown hat store probably isn't going to be able to accommodate that type of customization and private label and everything else. So, yeah, there is there's certainly a a sweet spot and a a need for that more niche based or as they say in Canada, niche based niche, right? um, you know, specialization, <laughs> both in both sides, the supplier and the distributor side. Well, and to me, like, so if you're the distributor selling the Iron Man stuff and you don't have a great website, but you have a killer Instagram feed that shows yeah. your product yeah. in, in use in all of the uh, Iron Mans, if you have interviews with winners wearing your product on a YouTube channel, like... You can get around this. You can still do it, but it's just, it's a little bit more difficult. And from a AdWords, SEO, like you're going to suffer a little bit there. But if you want to, if you want a way to be able to show people that like you're in a, in a space, there's ways to do it. You just, yeah, you just have to make up your mind that that's what you're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So changing gears on you again. <laughs> uh, so like we said, you're the incoming president of uh, Promotional Products Association Midwest. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. As a, also in, incoming president myself, I will join you in this incoming Excellent. class. And uh, I, knowing, the, obviously, the responsibility that you've taken on for Big Slick KC, you know, that uh, Kansas City area charity, children's cancer at Children's Mercy Hospital. I mean, what started out as, hey, come hang out with some friends is now like you do everything. So, <laughs> I, I, yes, I help a lot. You do a Very lot. variety of, of uh of tasks for that particular event. And, and I'm sure if I dug, we could probably find some more stuff that, you know, would be a reflection of you as uh, as a servant leader. But, you know, so we're here at, at the Regional Association Council of Leadership Development Workshop. So I want to ask you specifically, provide your perspective on why one of our listeners currently not active in the Regional Trade Association should be. What benefits have you seen? Like, and and so what benefits have you seen what do you think is awesome? And then you got 12 months to make a difference. How are you going to change things up at PayPal? So it's, I've been involved now for, oh, four years, maybe I've been on the board. Um, and I, I basically came in, in a situation where we had another person at our office who was on the board and she was rolling off the board and she said, Hey, I think you should do this. You'd be great at it. I didn't really know what it was involved, but I said, sure, why not? I'll try anything once or twice sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, I rolled in onto the board and it's been, you know, I, but from a personal and a business standpoint, it's a fantastic opportunity for somebody to get to know the industry better, to get to learn and meet and communicate with the suppliers and distributors in their region. You know, our, our region, um, covers, uh, Missouri, Kansas and Nebraska. So it was a, it was a fascinating way to, to really quickly meet all of the suppliers across the States of Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and uh, find out what kind of markets they were working in. Um, we tend to strive for a social event once a month or every other month. We have a trade show in the fall that's fairly well attended. We have, we're part of the Tom Show series that goes through our states in January, February. Um, and then we do, uh, we, we generally have at least a couple people that go to the uh, uh, the event every spring in Washington, DC, where we lobby on behalf of the industry, which I got to do for the first time this year. So, and that was an, another way too. you know, whether you are currently serving on one of the regional boards or not, um, getting involved in the legislative education action, a Washington, DC was a fascinating way to see what goes on behind the scenes 
uh, not only in advocating for our industry, but what goes on behind the scenes in Washington, D.C. as well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for me in Kansas City, it's it's I think the biggest benefit for me is just the social networking and getting to know everybody and, um, and, and knowing that when I have people that will ask me questions about, hey, do you know somebody who makes this? And I can instantly connect two people in our region that can help each other between, you know, whether it's a supplier rep or multi-line rep in the area and a distributor looking for some help on a project. Um, it's been a, a fun way to kind of be a connector of people, so to speak. I, I, I have relationships I would not have. I could make phone calls I would not be able yeah, to make. absolutely. And it has nothing to do with how much revenue I produce or my stature in business is irrelevant yeah. when it comes to that. It's people have had an opportunity to interact with me outside of the transacting of commerce. Right. So they have a chance to people buy from people that I like, know, and trust. Yeah. And what better way to, to find out who your tribe is than doing something that's not directly related to your business. Yeah. And you get a chance to really see people for who they are in this environment because we're all here to make the industry a better place as opposed to necessarily making ourselves yeah. better business people. And to me, that's that's the beauty of the whole thing for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, our, our trade show events are very um, commerce related, so to speak. Our social events are not, you know, we hardly ever talk about business. You know, we had a, a pickleball tournament last month. You ever played pickleball? I do, yeah. So uh, Jeff Grants and I uh, played on a team together and took second place, I got to say, having never played pickleball. <laughs> but we had a great time. I mean, those events are fantastic. Always a good time. And, you know, and this this two days in Washington and, and Grapevine, obviously, are, are a fantastic couple of days, too, to, to get to meet the other regional associations yep. and see what they're doing. Yeah. So, you know, your last piece of that question that you asked was, what do I see for us in the coming 12 months? And I think I'll be in a better position to answer that after talking to people the next two days. But, you know, part, are, part two on Wednesday. Yeah. No, I mean, we 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 know that we uh, a couple of things that we were behind on. We hadn't looked at, reviewed our bylaws and all that kind of stuff in several years. So we took that um, that task and got that out of the way this month. We've got our strategic planning planning meeting in a week to kind of plan out the next year and figure out really what we want to focus on. Uh, membership's a big focus for us over the next year. We really want to grow both sides of the equation. So we've been playing with you know the dues for suppliers versus distributors, things like that. We've been playing with the types of events that we're planning. Um, you know, between for a while the social events were very well attended and they dropped off for a while. We started trying lunch and learns again, and those have been massively attended. And so we're kind of feeling our way through what events generate the most attendance. And so that's kind of, that'll be a focus for us over the next 12 months for sure. And it may be a topic for a separate podcast that I uh, am also the host of, but we have a couple promo cares things under our sleeve that we, uh, we do intend yeah. to reveal to folks here while we're here as well. So uh, promo cares radio if you guys aren't listening you might want to join us this week for uh, a, a couple announcements that'll be happening there all right well 20 29 minutes in i, I gotta finally ask you the question Dave. so uh so you uh, 18 years at distributor central you know uh leadership uh responsibility there you know you, you guys had a really cohesive team so I won't say I was surprised to hear you make a change only because of the um, where, where you went and the people who are there. I mean, that's there's no mistaking that Mark and Catherine are 
putting together a, a powerhouse team over there at Common Skew. But so we, we won't necessarily talk about the, 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 like the dirt, if you will. So we'll, we'll, we'll stay away from there, but, but there had to have been like some decision-making that you had to go through. So the industry is really good right now. And there's a lot of people changing. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of movement. I mean, my good friend, Jill Albers just moved from Shumsky to uh, Bamco um, and made the announcement last week. So this isn't uncommon in, 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 when the markets are good, you know, a lot of times when people feel confident to try to recruit someone, but on the being recruited side, after 18 years, like I know that there had to be something behind that. So talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah, it was, I mean, there was no dirt really to speak about. <laughs> so it was, I'd been with the Sugar Central for 17 years, you know, Jason and Tiffany and I have worked very closely as kind of the leadership team there over the last six, seven, eight years, I guess it's been. Um, but it, it, it sometimes comes a point where you just you're looking for a little bit different of a challenge. And, you know, while I wasn't out there actively looking um, over the course of a number of conversations, the excitement of working with Mark and Catherine and, and trying something a little different and still being able to keep my fingers in things that I feel strongly about, which is the technology side. Yeah. You know, I, the, the service provider side is a, a space that I really enjoy. You know, I get to work with both suppliers and distributors and help connect them and make their lives easier and streamline things. Um, and of the opportunities that were out there that presented themselves to me, none seemed like quite the perfect fit that this one did. And, and, there were several people that said that to me after the fact too. They're like, yeah, I saw that fit instantly. So right. um, I, I, hopefully I will prove to them, that <laughs> fit, you know, over the coming months and right. years, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how it happened. And um, it, it's, it's an exciting opportunity to help take common skew to the next level. And, you know, as you saw by the, the, the title that we pull out of a hat at some point, um, it, we are showing that we are very focused on the supplier side as well as the distributor side. Yeah. And we want to help our suppliers more easily engage with the distributor users on common SKU and uh, be able to get involved in the sales process before the sale occurs and then support it through the use of technology after the fact. Um, we're heavily invested in promo standards too. So we're integrated with all those various services now. So distributors do have a place where they can, they can create presentations and, create sales orders, send them to their suppliers, view the updates on live inventory and order status, shipment notifications, all that kind of stuff. And so it was a unique opportunity to kind of take some of the things that I've learned over the last 17 years and apply them in a slightly different manner. Um, you know, Common Skew and Sugar Central have always had a very good relationship and a technical partnership too, in terms of some of the data that we exchange. And so uh, that will for sure be continuing and getting stronger in the future. So that's, that's kind of how it all came about. <laughs> so I, I could only imagine uh, a range of emotion that you must have had to have gone through, right? Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. In, in this whole, yeah. Oh, like, but these are my people. And yeah. I know. Absolutely. So like, this is home to me. And, and I go to an office and now the office is in Toronto. And like, <laughs> I mean, just, it's really, I mean, it's really turned your whole world upside down in a lot it's, of ways, right? Yeah. It was a big change. And, you know, the hardest thing about it was feeling like you're leaving behind a team that you'd worked for for so long. And so having that conversation with them was difficult. 
Um, and, you know, certainly we spent a number of weeks kind of transitioning. Yeah. Um, and of course my phone is still working as sure. well too. And I sure. still talk to them routinely. So, of course. and they're welcome to call me anytime. Well, and not uh, to mention but, the fact, like you said, I mean, there's an ongoing working relationship between the yeah, two organizations. Right? Absolutely. So, yeah. So, but it's, but it's been really fun. It's, I look forward to, uh, to continuing to further my education from Mark and Catherine and Bobby and say, and the whole team up there has been great so far. You know, basically my introduction to working with that team was just diving right into SKU camp. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to learn very quickly about the common SKU community and, and why people are so engaged in what they're doing on the platform, that was a great, great yeah. way to do it. So. And, and for the uninitiated SKU camp is a two day uh, conference for common SKU users where they're invited to uh, a, a, a blue ribbon panel of content over the course of the two days interspersed with development tips and tricks, you know, how to be the best common SKU user out there in the marketplace. And they do two of them. They do a SKU con in Vegas associated with PPAI Expo, which is more of a one day event. And then the two day SKU con, I, I promise you, sir, that will be the last one that I miss. I will, good, I will good. be there from this point forward. It's, it's important. It's a great community of people. In a lot of ways, I feel like it's the people who I say are doing it the right way. Uh, when it yeah. comes to what we're talking about from an engagement commerce perspective. Yeah, right? absolutely. That, that's really the underpinning is sure. Everyone's using that platform, but more importantly, I think there's that ethos of engagement commerce really is uh, pretty heavy amongst that user community. So it's really uh, invigorating to see them all looking to try to take their business to the next level. All right. So you're an overachiever <laughs> as always. And as we wrap this up, the last one I'll ask you is, it is uh, LDW 2019, and we're sitting here and we're talking about the year that just transpired. If we're doing that, what would be some of the things that you would look back on and hopefully 12 months from now say, I'm so happy that X, Y, and Z transpired over the course of this period because that's what I wanted to see happen? In terms of the association, the regionals, everything else? Day you're an open book, man. Whatever you think is on, wow. your, on your goal list for next year. Obviously, you want to make sure that. that your family still loves you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't – there's so many different ways. And that's – again, this is a question that would be fascinating to discuss again after the next two days because it, I think one of the coolest things for me to come to this event every year is to – we do those uh, ignite sessions yeah. you know, where the regionals get up and talk about exciting things they've done over the past year. And promo cares will be talking about the exciting things we've done over the past year and plan to do over the next year. So for me, those are all the, the spaces where I get energy to, to go home and talk to our board and figure out what we're going to do over the next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, like you, like, I mean, we touched on the technology side. I think there are plenty of things we could be doing better in that space from both a, a regional and a national association perspective. Um, I think the fact that we're seeing more people get excited about some of the volunteerism is very exciting. Uh, the whole promo cares movement, seeing the excitement around that as we get that off the ground and get more people involved in social good and leveraging um, the products that we create in this industry for, to, to help, do better in the world all the way around. Um, I don't know that we, that discussion could go on for another hour. Minute, so. <laughs> well, we're hoping maybe to get the rest of the executive team together for yeah. a, a separate discussion about that is, 
as we have our uh, 72 hours here together. So yeah, yeah I, I think you're right. Like we're, we're in this, I mean, especially when you're making a change, I mean, nothing for nothing. I mean, you're like two weeks into this. So I am. you haven't yeah. had really sufficient opportunity to understand where you're going to leave your mark there. Right. Uh, presidency wise. I mean, I think we, we collectively as a group in the regional associations are trying to figure out how to find the people who don't know that we exist. Yeah. And help them be more successful and protect them against the easy traps that distributors who don't know any better can fall into when it comes to safety and compliance and all of those different things. So promo care is obviously, you know, we, we try hard to keep promo care separate from so you're in sales, but this moment in this three day period, you know, is yeah. these things, these roads are going to uh, intersect with one another in a way that, in a way that I hope will be noteworthy. And I, I'm, what's really cool for me is we're here at a regional association volunteer event and every single one of the people who are involved in the promo cares movement from an executive perspective are also all here because yeah, we're all yeah. participating in our own regional associations in leadership positions in a way that has those people want to pay for us to be here and not only be here, but to present as well. So, um, it's super exciting, man. I'm glad that you took the time yeah, to, to uh, come down off of Hawaii time. Mahalo. <laughs> and uh, let's, miss let's, it. let's, let's go, let's go hang out at a reception and mingle with some people. Let's do that. All let's right. Have a cocktail. <laughs>